come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. Everything, it is said, happens to everyone sooner or later, if there's time enough. What does that mean? Obviously that we can expect the best and we can expect the worst, which might be quite tolerable if we were to receive equal amounts of each. The trouble is, most of us get more than our fair share of one or the other. Is there a way to redress the balance? Well, yes, but this will call for a rearrangement of life and death. Tell me your name. What's the difference? How else will I know who you are? If I tell you my name, what will you know? Tom Smith, John Doe, Bob Jones. Those are all good names. Choose anyone. Which one is yours? None of them. Well, I need a name I can call you. Let me give you the name that describes me. Killer. Our mystery drama, The Awakening was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Kim Hunter. It is sponsored in part by Buick Motor Division. I'll be back shortly with Act One. A sadder and wiser man, he rose the morrow morn. What is the poet telling us? Simply that a different person woke up in the morning than had gone to bed the night before. If you accept a basic principle, the proposition doesn't necessarily have to operate for the better. You don't have to awaken sadder and wiser. You can also arise happier and dumber. A man of evil can become a man of good, and it's just as likely the other way around. What fantastic transformations can occur overnight? Listen. Thank you, Doctor. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your giving up your lunch hour to see me. You said it was an emergency. It's a matter of life and death. Rest assured, it's true. Well, why, why did you choose me? The fact is, I don't know any psychiatrists here, and I, I opened the classified pages under physicians and surgeons. Psychiatrists. And like Abu Ben Adam, your name, Dr. Abbott, led all the rest. Uh, talking about names, uh, what's yours? My, uh, my name, must I tell you my name? Yes, I can't help you if I don't know who you are. Well, can't you look at me, listen to me, and know who I am, what I am? I'm, I'm sorry, I must insist, I cannot treat you if you don't have complete confidence in me. Yes, yes, of course, you're, you're absolutely correct, but, well, I require a certain amount of time to, to develop that confidence. Doctor, believe me, I'll tell you my name. No, not just yet. Soon. Please help me. To do what? I, I, I woke this morning and... Uh, uh, yes? And I didn't know who I was. Well, uh, what do you mean? I still don't know who I am. I... I become somebody else. Mm -hmm. Who? I don't know. Doctor? Do you know who you are? Yes. How? How do you know who you are? I'll tell you. It's not just that you know your name. Your name is just a label given to you by your mother or father to label you on the outside. But it's what you feel inside that's you. Your feelings, your thoughts. That's what you are. 
You understand? Yes. That bundle of feelings and thoughts. That was the me I had lived with for 20 years. This morning, that me was gone. Inside now, there's another me. A me I don't know. A me that is terrific. Why? Because it's a strange, sinister, alien me. In what way? I am made up of only one single feeling. One solitary urge. To kill. You uh, never felt it before? I can't think of anything else. Just killing. Well, have you had a uh, physical examination lately? It's my only feeling, my only emotion. Do you have a headache? To kill. Just like a shark that knifes through the water. A tiger that prowls through the jungle. What are they? Each in his way is the personification of an elemental, irresistible, killing force. Have you noticed the shortness of breath? They kill anything that crosses their path. Well, have you had any serious illness? Yes, this one. Can't you hear what I'm telling you? Why do you waste our valuable time with these nattering, nitpicking questions that have absolutely no bearing on what I... Sir, I am asking the necessary questions. Is it possible you haven't heard what I've said to you? To what I have awakened this morning, what has possessed me? Uh, now, if you're going to start to talk about possession and devils and spirits... I am possessed. Not by an evil spirit, perhaps, but possessed. By what? Oh, perhaps a, a germ, a virus. Perhaps an idea, a thought, a belief. I, I, I don't know. But it's possession. Or perhaps it isn't possession. It could be... An awakening. An awakening? An awakening to my true and essential nature. Yes. It's an awakening. That's what it is. Uh, please, uh, sit down. I can no longer fight against it. Now, sit down, and everything will be all right. Yes. Yes, everything will be all right as soon as I can get into it. As soon as I can kill. That will bring me relief. Now, now, relax. As soon as I kill anyone, anything that crosses my path. You! No, 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 you you don't want to do that. I shall kill you. Just just a minute, you I'm can't. going to kill you. No. Kill anyone that crosses my no, path. No, no, I'll have to call the police. You'll be dead. No. Go on. What are you? How easy I... I can kill. I can kill. I feel better. I... I feel so much better. And that's all we've got on the tape, Dr. Zeltner. Oh, I suppose I'm lucky my name is Zeltner. I have the last listing in the directory. Poor Fred Abbott. Hmm. You knew Dr. Abbott? Oh, yes. An excellent man. Well, Dr. Zeltner, what does all this tell you? Well, he believed in tape recording all his sessions. And you don't? I don't have any hard and fast rule, Lieutenant. In this case, we're fortunate he turned on the recorder the moment his patient began talking. What was the exact cause of death? Well, the killer evidently knew karate and used it. There were several sharply placed blows which did considerable damage. Now, you could hear on the tape how quickly, how, how deftly the thing was done. Uh, no one saw him enter or leave the office? No, Dr. Abbott's nurse had already left in her lunch hour when he arrived, and the... Well, the doctor was dead when she returned. 
Did anyone in the vicinity notice anything suspicious? You're asking a detective's questions, Dr. Zelder. Now, uh, we've covered that ground already without results. I'm hoping you might be able to ask a psychiatrist questions. You know, we're dealing with someone mentally disturbed. Now, what kind of clues are on this tape? Well, uh, Lieutenant Katz, we know several important things. Such as? Uh, he's a stranger. Because he didn't know any doctors in town. Nor did he have any friends who could recommend one. You know, Dr. Abbott was six feet tall in excellent physical condition. Yet the killer handled him easily. The killer could be anywhere in his late 30s to early 40s. Yeah, and I get that picture, too. Well-spoken. Yeah, he's obviously educated. Oh, he doesn't have to be educated, exactly, Lieutenant. What do you mean? I'm not sure. Something about his speech. What? Let me think about it. Ask yourself this question. What does the killer do for a living? Well, how would I know? Well, we agree he's a stranger in town. What is he doing here? I don't know that either. Is he visiting someone? Not likely. If it were a social thing or even a business trip, he would have someone to talk to. Someone he could ask to recommend a doctor. Okay, Dr. Zellner, you tell me. What was the killer doing here? Passing through? Perhaps. And he gets this, this, uh, seizure. And he goes to the first psychiatrist he can find. It appears that way. But our basic question remains unanswered. What does the killer do? Well, why do you say he doesn't necessarily have to be educated? Uh, something bothers me about that tape. What? I don't know. Was anything taken from the office? No, there didn't seem to be. Lieutenant, Dr. Abbott's office, is it still exactly the way it was when the body was discovered? It should be. We've had a man on guard. Do you suppose I could see it? I, I don't know what good it'll do. Well, since you don't know, why don't we find out? Uh, you're Miss Boyers. Beatrice Boyers. Uh, yes, Doctor. I, uh, I used to ring your number for Dr. Abbott. Well, what are you doing here today? Uh-huh. Life goes on. That is, for the doctor's wife. You see, she still has bills to pay, and so I'm working on the doctor's books for her. Oh, I understand. Uh-huh. Uh, you were not here when the, when the man who killed Dr. Abbott phoned for the appointment? No, and I'll never forgive myself. And why do you say that? Well, because, Lieutenant, had I answered the phone, I simply would not have given them the appointment, but... Dr. Abbott couldn't say no to anybody. I usually have lunch in here every day. It's just on that particular day You I... have lunch in the office every day? Oh, yes. I think that was the first time I'd gone out in months. Oh, look, I- I'm sure this must be a very difficult time for you, Miss Boyers. Please, don't let us disturb you. Well, I'll be in the reception room if you need me. Lieutenant, this is Dr. Abbott's desk. He was sitting behind it. And this chair is for the patient. And here's the tape recorder. Uh, yes, we know all this, don't we? Well, notice the position of the tape recorder. Well, uh, what about it? It's standing on the desk, in full view. <laughs> what, what are you trying to establish, Doctor? Well, the fact that the taping wasn't a secret. The killer knew that his conversation was being recorded. Okay. Well, where does that lead us? Why didn't the killer destroy the tape? Well, does it make any difference? It's a clue. He left his voice behind. A voice on on a tape recorder doesn't stand up as positive identification. Well, perhaps, but 
some of his statements could be quite revealing. Such as? I don't know yet. I want to study the tape. Maybe the killer didn't notice. Oh, how could he not notice? Well, he may have been too excited. After all... After all, he did commit murder. Yeah, we know that. And after he did it, if you remember the tape, he seemed very calm. Such a person who who realizes that he has committed a serious crime but becomes very careful. He looks about to make sure he's covering his tracks, not leaving any clues. Why didn't he destroy the tape? Why does it bother you? Well, we have to find the answers to three questions. Who is he? What is he doing here in town? And why didn't he destroy the tape? Doctor, we're up against a stone wall. Now, he could be any nut who walked in off the street. Didn't you hear what he said in that tape? He says a great deal. Let's go back to your office and listen again. <laughs> okay. Uh, Miss Boyers, uh, I don't know what we're going to listen for. Uh, we heard it all. Yes, we heard it. Now we have to try to understand it. Oh, yes, Lieutenant. Uh, we're leaving now, Miss Boyers. So if you can think of anything that might be of use to us, uh, you have my number at headquarters. Yes, Lieutenant. Uh, goodbye, Miss Boyers. Goodbye, Dr. Zelter. Why didn't you destroy that tape? The tape? Well, you were talking to Abbott in the office. It was all being recorded. Didn't you know it? Of course I knew it. And afterward, I even played it back. You what? It was such a beautiful scene. How could I erase it? You should have destroyed it. I've never been better. Do you realize the police had that tape? Of course. They'll listen and listen and sooner or later... Sooner or later what? They'll find out something. Beatrice, darling. They will listen and listen and be thrilled by the greatest theatrical performance that has ever been recorded. What can they possibly find out? What can they possibly find out? What can you find out by listening to a tape recording? Did you find out anything? Actually, practically every clue that's needed is on that tape. You are also already ahead of Dr. Zeltner and Lieutenant Katz because you just heard the scene that took place after they left the office. Let's see what we can all find out in Act Two, which follows in just a few moments. What do the psychiatrists tell us? consider. Mr. Booth shot Mr. Lincoln. Where? In a theater. Why? Because Mr. Booth was an actor, and he saw his deed primarily as a theatrical performance. But all of us are actors, in a sense. All of us perform. All of us require applause of one kind or another, even when we turn to murder. I'm a peaceable person. I studiously avoid arguments, conflicts, unpleasantness. The mere thought of violence makes me ill. Hold the tape there for a moment, Lieutenant. Thought of violence makes him ill. Yet, he's accomplished in the art of karate. It doesn't make sense. Doesn't have to. He's crazy. Well, even so-called crazy people behave in, in what for them is a logical manner. 
What we're supposed to get from this tape is a profile of a hitherto mild-mannered man who has suddenly gone berserk. Those are not the facts. This is a man who is no stranger to violence. Okay, what difference does it make? He's still a psychotic killer. Maybe. What do you mean, maybe? Maybe he wants us to think so. Now listen to this. That dynamic package of feeling and thought. That was the me I had lived with for 20 years. The me I knew. The me I always loved. The me I sometimes hated. But the familiar, dependable, comfortable me. What do you think of that, Lieutenant? Oh, I still think it's, it's the raving of a nut. Now, notice the smooth flow of language. Notice how the sentences build. Notice how there's practically no hesitation, no searching for words. Who talks like that? I don't know. An actor. An actor? No, not always. He sounds like an actor who has rehearsed and prepared his lines. Well, uh, assuming you're right, how could he do that? Well, listen again. To kill. Just like a shark that knifes through the water, a tiger that prowls through the jungle. What are they? Each in his way is the personification of an elemental, irresistible killing force. This speech has been written. By whom? By the killer. The, the killer who happens to be an actor. Uh, once again, where is the proof? You're listening to the proof. When I heard this tape for the first time, I said it bothered me. You tried to pin me down. What bothered me about it? And I am still trying to pin you down, Doctor. I can now tell you everything. Everything about that tape bothers me. It's a phony. Okay, okay, but you still haven't been able to prove... Well, what have we got? A presumed psychopath comes into Dr. Abbott's office. He claims to be very disturbed. But I don't think he's disturbed at all. Let me spin back that tape. Why did you choose me, asked Dr. Abbott. Listen to the answer. I opened the classified pages under physicians, surgeons, psychiatrists. And like Abu Ben Adam, your name led all the rest. So what do you want me to make of that? He's always on stage. Always ready with the epigram or the quotation from beginning to end. The whole thing has been superbly prepared. I'll run the tape ahead. Listen. Why do you fritter away our valuable time with these nattering, nitpicking questions? Who would possibly put together a sentence like that on the spur of the moment? I am possessed. Not by an evil spirit, but possessed. By what? Perhaps a, a germ, a virus. Perhaps an idea, a thought, a belief. Perhaps it isn't possession. It could be an awakening. An awakening? An awakening to my true and essential nature. Yes. It's an awakening. That is not the raving of a maniac. Okay, I'll quit fighting you. You're convinced the guy isn't crazy. No, but I'm convinced the killer deliberately chose Dr. Abbott. Why? I don't know. But here, the psychiatrist must yield to the detective. And uh, what do you want me to do? Change your hypothesis. At this point, you believe the killer chose Dr. Abbott at random. That's what happened. How do you know? Because, well, because... Because he says so, on the tape. I happened to look in the classified, and your name led all the rest. See how he uses the tape to convince you. 
Now I know why he didn't destroy it. Assume, Lieutenant, that the killer had a motive to murder Dr. Abbott. I have to keep asking. What motive? Well, that's a policeman's question. You shouldn't be asking me. Enemies? Oh, no, not Walter. Everyone loved him. Dr. Zeltner here knew my husband. Of course, Mrs. Abbott. Uh, did you notice anything unusual about Walter's behavior? Unusual? Is that he seemed nervous or worried, upset. You know, out of sorts. Oh, no. Not with me. Never with me. I, I never heard an unkind or impatient word from him. And nothing bothered him that you knew of, Mrs. Abbott? Oh, everything bothered him. He worried about the slightest little things. How things were going on in the world about his patients. Was he doing enough for them? Was there any unusual worry, Mrs. Abbott? Unusual? Well, he came home to dinner. It was just the night... night before. night before he was... Well, we were having his favorite, steak. He didn't seem to know or even care about what he was eating. Then he was troubled. I... I suppose you could say that. And, and do you know what it was about, Mrs. Mrs. Abbott? No. You didn't ask him? Well, yes, I did. And he said it was a professional problem. And once he said that, I knew I couldn't press it. Dr. Zeltner, you're a psychiatrist. You can understand. Mm, he said it was a professional problem. That, that means it concerned a patient. Yes. Oh, who was the patient? Well, I don't think I'm allowed to tell that. Well... You don't have to tell us what the problem was, but you can tell us who the patient is. Oh, all right. I I think it was Roy Butterfield, because he went into his den right after dinner and got on the phone, and I think he was talking to Roy. You, uh, you can't tell us what he was saying to Roy Butterfield. No, Lieutenant. She can't. But, uh, we can ask him. <laughs> nothing to tell you. Uh, Mr. Butterfield, the night before he was murdered, Dr. Walter Abbott had a very long conversation with you on telephone, now didn't he? Who says so? His wife. Hmm. Mrs. Abbott said he uh, seemed quite troubled when he spoke to you. Can you tell us why? No. And the next day he was killed. Was there a connection? Now, oh, I understand some homicidal maniac did it. I really don't know how I can help you. Well, perhaps you can tell us how we can help you. What are you talking about? Mr. Butterfield, you're a badly frightened man. Why? Well, that's my business. Then you don't deny it. Look, if you don't have any more questions to ask me, do you Do mind? you have any questions to ask us? What questions would I have? One very important question might be, why are we here? Listen, I'm in enough trouble now. What kind of trouble? Oh, if I told you, you... You might try to pin the murder on me. Oh, hardly, Mr. Butterfield. You're too short, too fat, too old. Are you a karate expert, Mr. Butterfield? Karate? <laughs> I can hardly play croquet. It would be better if you told us, Mr. Butterfield. Better for you. Oh, all right. Now, look, look, I've been married 30 years. I'm very happy. Wonderful woman in every way. Well, I uh, ran into a very... Beautiful young lady. She she was also very intelligent. I really wanted to keep it platonic, you know what I mean, but, well, we're all people of the world here. Of course. I, uh, 
Well, I was sorry I started. And my conscience bothered me, so I... Well, the young lady and myself, we parted. And I thought I'd never do anything like that again, but... Well, shortly after, I became acquainted with another young lady, and... Well, I, I tried to stop it by going to a psychiatrist to find out why I needed that sort of thing. You, you understand? Certainly. Yeah, Dr. Abbott. He would have sessions. I spoke all my thoughts into a tape recorder so he could analyze them. Well, I... I held nothing back. I described everything in detail. I'm sure you know what I'm saying. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. And then last week, a package came for me in the mail. It was a tape cassette. There was a letter that said, unless I pay $10,000, a copy of that tape would be sent to my wife. Was there any way to identify... No, no, no. It was just typewritten on a plain piece of paper. No signature, no address, no nothing. Do you, uh... Do you have a copy of the letter? No, no, I, uh, I, I, I burned it up. Mr. Butterfield, there's been a murder. Anyone who withholds evidence becomes an accessory. Now, think hard. Did you really burn that letter? I, well, I was going to burn it just as you people rang the bell. I, oh, here, I have it right here in my pocket. Thank you. All it says is they're going to be in touch with me and... Tell me how they want me to pay the money. We have another copy of the same tape. We mean business. In a few days, we will contact you with further details of how to pay the $10,000. Nice clean typing. And you know where it was typed, don't you? No. In Dr. Abbott's office. But what are you talking about? It should be plain. His assistant, Beatrice Boyers, decides she can blackmail some of his patients. Roy Butterfield is particularly vulnerable. She sends him the tape and a note, but Butterfield makes a fuss about it. Abby confronts her that morning and fires her. She has a confederate. He poses as a psychopathic killer to create the impression that this is a crime of random violence. You see, that's the big difference between a psychiatrist and a detective. Now, you doctors can get rich on theories, but we can't get the first base without evidence. Oh, there's evidence, just the evidence we need. Where? Where it's always been. Where we saw it with our own eyes, in Abbott's office. Some evidence is strong, said the philosopher, as when you find a trout in the milk. Dr. Amelia Zeltner says she has the evidence. But what may be evidence to a psychiatrist may very well be way over the heads of the rest of us. However, Act 3, as you know, is where it's all added up. And that curtain shall rise in just a few moments. There is the evidence of things not seen. The testimony of things not heard. These form the professional diet of both the detective and the psychiatrist. Things reveal themselves. Things speak to them in a manner not readily perceived by the rest of us. But is what they see and what they hear always true?
Well, what kind of evidence are you talking about, Dr. Zeltner? The evidence of this note. Look, it's typed. Well, all we have to do is find the typewriter. Now, do you know how much of a job that can be? But we know where it is. It's in Dr. Abbott's office. Because Beatrice Boyers typed it. That's only a hypothesis. She typed it on her office machine. Okay. Now, let's go along with your theory for, for the sake of argument. Beatrice Boyers and a pal are going to use Dr. Abbott's files for blackmail purposes. Now, would she be so crazy as to use the office typewriter to type the, the, the blackmail note? Yes. No, no, I don't believe it. No one would be that stupid. She's a stupid woman. Sooner or later, she has to be caught. Well, there's only one way to find out. Dr. Zeltner and Lieutenant Katz. May we come in, Miss Boyers? Well, certainly. Now, is there anything I can do for you? Would it be too much trouble for you to give us a list of the appointments Dr. Abbott had on the day he was murdered? Oh, that'll be no trouble at all. I have his book here, and I can just type the names for you. Well, that's very kind of you, I'm sure. Oh, well, it won't take me a minute. <laughs> typed on the office machine. And here's the blackmail note Roy Butterfield received. So? I find this hard to believe. Impossible. Well, I'm not an expert, but I don't think there's any point to calling one in. It's obviously a different typeface. But it has to be, Miss Boyers. It has to be. I still say she's guilty. Well, saying isn't enough. There has to be evidence that a district attorney can present to a jury. Now, do you have that? Listen to the tape again. It is so patently a device to make us think a homicidal maniac is at large. <sighs> All right, Dr. Zeltner. Let's consider the tape. It gives us a sound recording of a crime. Now, I bring it to you, a psychiatrist, in order to get some psychological insight into the perpetrator. I tried to... Sure. You listen to it. You form a whole theory, which holds that the guy isn't a psycho, but knew what he was doing and why he was doing it. I have pointed out inconsistencies in the man's talk. Theoretical inconsistencies. Stuff that made sense to you. Now, I should tell you that other psychiatrists who analyzed the tape did not come up with the same conclusions you did. I'm telling you how I see it. Good. There has to be an anchor. Something to hold it all in place. Now, if Beatrice Boyers and her accomplice planned this murder, the anchor would have to be the typewriter. Well... You yourself set that up. Well, I assume she'd be stupid enough to use the one in the office. Very well. The fact that she's smarter than I gave her credit for doesn't change to the veracity of Dr. what I'm... Dr. Zeltner, I want to thank you for your time and your effort and... and your sincere interest. But goodbye. Well, we've come to a dead end. But if anything else occurs to you... You still insist on a random killing. But the fact is, you have a psychiatrist whose files are being used for blackmail. And if Beatrice Boyers isn't using them, who is? The blackmail and the murder might be connected. Then again, they might not. There's only one explanation. Abbott confronted her that morning. He accused Beatrice Boyers. He fired her. She had him killed. Why? A... He would see to it that she could never work again in this field. B, he would take away from her the source of blackmail. She'd no longer have access to the files. She didn't leave the office to go to lunch. 
She never went out to lunch. She left the office because she was fired. But we can't prove that. If she isn't doing the blackmail, who is? Who? All right. A, any thief could have broken in. B, Dr. Abbott himself. Dr. Abbott? That's ridiculous. I can't believe that. You mean you don't want to believe that a psychiatrist could be involved in a secret blackmail scheme against his own patients? It is impossible, theoretically? You actually believe that, Lieutenant Katz? No. Because before I believe anything, I need evidence. I'm just doing what you're doing. Theorizing. Well, see you around. What are you doing here? Ben, I had to see you. I don't want to see you when I'm at rehearsal. How many times ben, do I... Ben, listen. Let's leave town. Now. We haven't collected any money, my darling. Money. We require money. Please, Ben, listen. You don't know how close we came to getting caught. What are you saying? How could we possibly come close? This is the perfect crime. Ben, forget it. We don't know how to do such a thing. We've been doing one stupid thing after another. First the tape... How can you say the tape... Please, has... listen. Then I did something even more stupid. You know the note I sent Roy Butterfield? Yes. I typed it on the office machine. How could you? For the same reason you didn't destroy the tape. Now, the police and Dr. Zeltner, they're wise. They came by and made an excuse to get me to type something on the machine. And, and did you? Well, how could I refuse? But you see, we're lucky. Huh? Uh, the, the, the day before yesterday, the typewriter people took the machine away for repairs and left a substitute one for me to use. So then... And they didn't discover... No, no, but we can't keep hoping for miracles. Oh, it was such a good idea. Blackmail some of the most vulnerable people. They're rich enough to afford it. But we just don't know how to do it. We lost control. They suspect us. Who, the police? Well, maybe not the police so much, but this, this psychiatrist, this lady doctor, Dr. Zeltner, she scares me. Should the random killer strike again? Ben, no. All right. Whatever you say, darling... I'm ready, willing, and able at all times to protect our interests. Dr. Zeltner. Oh, yes, Harry. I'm fine. No, I haven't seen him. I haven't heard of it either. What is this, a, a traveling theatrical company in town? A play with very valid psychiatric insights. Uh -huh. The central character talks about an awakening. He wakes up one morning and finds he's someone else. A murderer. Oh, well, I'll certainly have to see it. I awoke this morning. And I'm somebody else. Who am I? I know my name, but what is your name? A label used to describe you on the outside. But it's the inside that's you. I have but one desire. To kill. Kill like a shark knifing through water. Kill like a tiger prowling the jungle. A deadly sickness burns within me. A raging fever. To what have I awakened this morning? What has possessed me? Am I possessed? Or have I awakened? 
Dr. Zeltner. Oh, hello, Miss Boyer. Oh, it's, it's a small world. Enjoying the play? Oh, yes. Oh, were you leaving, Doctor? Yes, I have an appointment. Pity I can't stay for the second act. Goodbye, Miss Boyer. Yes, goodbye. Every word you said in the play tonight is on that tape. I know it is. That's why I said erase it. She's on her way home to call the police. How do you know? Because I saw her get into a cab, and I heard her tell the driver the address. Oh, get there. Go now. I have a second act. You'll play your last act in a courtroom if you don't get to her first. Lieutenant Katz, please. Oh, well, have him call me at once. This is Dr. Zeltner. Thank you. Hello, Dr. Zeltner. Oh, it's you. Do you have a tape recorder, too, Doctor? You're the very fine actor I saw tonight. Ben Bentley. Don't bother to play that recorder, Doctor. This time, I'll erase the tape. Why? You know why. You know why I'm here. I didn't fool you when I killed Dr. Abbott. I'm not fooling you now. How did you get into this fantasy? What fantasy? The fantasy that you killed someone. Well, I killed Abbott. I had met Beatrice. We talked about ways of raising money. I'm producing, directing, and starring in The Awakening. Yes, yes, I saw it tonight. Beautiful play. You saw it? You know the truth. What truth are you talking about? Stupidly, I talked like that to Dr. Abbott before I killed him. Are you serious? How could you have killed Dr. Abbott? Listen, don't try anything. When on... did you kill Dr. Abbott? A few minutes ago? Well, or the day before yesterday. I went to his office and Dr. I... Abbott, his wife, and I were at the theater tonight. Huh? We saw your play. Oh, now, 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 listen. Oh, you've come you... to the right place. You bear a tremendous burden. You're a genius. You have to fight the critics, the public. It's a wearing battle. I... I, I You're I, not a killer. I, You're a genius. A genius. And the world is finally ready for you. I saw the play. The audience, how, how they sat in silence. It was a, a moving experience. A religious experience. It was theater. What are you saying? No, you sit quietly, calmly. Don't lose your mind now. Relax. You have victory within your grasp. Relax. Don't fall prey to delusions. You didn't murder anyone. You couldn't murder anyone. You're an actor. You live your fantasies on the stage, in the theater. Think of your lines. Your lines. Rest. Relax. Sleep. Sleep. Dr. Zeltner. Shh. You wake him up. I was afraid he came here to kill you. He did. I thought you'd never show up. You were right about the typewriter. It bothered me, so I asked Roy Butterfield to show me a copy of his last bill from Dr. Abbott's office. The typeface matched. <laughs> she was smart. She did not use the same machine. How did he find you? I went to the theater. Word for word, the lines from his play are on the tape. We got them both. 
thanks to you. Oh, I'm glad you arrived when you did. I, I, I don't know how long I can keep him under. Why? Look at him. He's out cold. I, I... Uh, what are you so nervous about? You did a great job hypnotizing him. Oh, yes, yes. But, but you see, it, it was the first time I ever tried it. And with that, she promptly fainted. Ah, well, we talk about an actor's vanity, but why is it different from anyone else's? Poor Ben. He was distracted from doing what had to be done by some very fulsome praise. But let's face it, who among us really hates applause? I don't. I'll be back for more in just a few moments. starring Ben Bentley is what the poster proclaimed. But The Awakening can also be a real-life drama that can star any one of us. How do you know who you will be when you wake up tomorrow morning? You really don't. That's why going to bed at night can be so suspenseful. But before you do go to bed, make sure you will have tuned us in. Our cast included Kim Hunter, Leon Janney, Bryna Rayburn, and Earl Hammond. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. To return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.